0: Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Do I sound like I'm in saran wrap? No, not like the one guy said.
1: No, <laughs> I think that was meant as useful criticism. Yeah, I take it that way. Constructive, yeah, sure you do. Helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a new it's a new genre. It, it's a it's a new medium. It's a new it's a new it's a new technology, Dan. Yeah, I see that. We're all still finding our way. Yeah. So, are you a little under the weather? Uh, eh, just
0: a little bit. I mean, you know, can't hold, can't hold me back. Like playing hurt don't phase me.
1: You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I hear that, fam. Yeah. I, uh, you know, when when one of us is ill, we talk about it. What do you got? You get a little cold? Yeah. You know, I managed to
0: avoid. This is my daughter's first year in the big school. She went to the little school, and now she's in the the big kids' school with her brother, and so now she's getting she's going through that first year at kindergarten and a big school thing of getting all the colds and everything else. So every week it seems like she has something else and I have managed to avoid it all. The last time I think I had a cold, I'm sure a listener will correct me, but I feel like it was back in, in last winter. Feels like it's been a while. Yeah. It seems like it's been a long time. So I, I just been happy about that. And then, you know, I try really hard, but she, touch, she touches everything. Like the last time that she had a cold, I remember watching her rub her nose, rub the snot off of it, and then just drag her hand across all the cabinets and countertops across the kitchen towel. Just,
1: oh my I don't God. know why
0: she was doing it. Maybe <laughs> maybe to make sure. I, but I didn't get it that time. And so I, I have pretty good... You know, pretty good uh, protocols in place to help me keep from getting it. But this time they, they failed. So
1: Do, do, you, do you sequester terrible. her, Dan? What do you what do? you oh, do? I would do you love get her that. like a bubble? Wouldn't would, that be nice? Wouldn't
0: that be nice to put her in like a, a human, human-sized human hamster uh, ball? Well, like, you're
1: talking about like a habit trail.
0: Habit trail. Yeah, where they, they put them. Well, no, they put them. Have you ever seen where the hamster can get free roam of the house because it's in a ball?
1: Oh, sh- oh, a hamster ball! A ball yes.
0: where it's like it's it's running around inside the ball, but that she lets would it-
1: love that. That would be so fun for
0: her. You just drop drop some food, you know, some M and M's through the top once in a while, Yeah. But no, nothing uh, like that. Uh,
1: our uh, our iPads are like a crime scene. I I I do everything <laughs> I can, but like so, I'll I'll pick up the iPad because apparently I'm the only person in the house that plugs them in. Oh yeah, and uh, and I, I I'm like eh, heh, I can't get it on my hand; it's so sticky. And it's like, oh, and so you know that's part of my workflow. I got a, a ongoing reminder to clean clean the uh, the iPads. I don't know if it helps. <sighs> yeah, I feel I feel you know pound sign blessed, Dan. That's all I'm going to say. Pound sign blessed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you uh, do you still want to do the show? Yeah, I mean I'm right.
0: Can you? If I hadn't said anything, would you be able to tell? Do I sound a little a little different?
1: No, no. You sent me a text message on the internet, and that's that's how I knew. Yeah, I said I didn't think that I sounded
0: bad so i think from t- tomorrow i'll probably start sounding bad but right now nice nice. right now
1: i got under control well you sound great five by five as they say did you take my advice i always take your advice take a bath wrap a hot, a hot towel, towel around, around your head, your head. <laughs> make yourself some soup get a nap <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 i think one of the first times you made me laugh and laugh and laugh was when you said with your knees you shouldn't be throwing anything at <laughs> it's still a
0: great movie i mean it still holds up i think it
1: was your line reading of it that was really funny yeah yeah you remember that should we used to do the show back then remember mm-hmm. that that was of oh good. my goodness when we helped people. oh my god it was what you know what do you think made the show better Then it was um, a very young medium then
0: yeah no it really was yeah it really was. I mean, when we invented, uh, when we invented podcasting
1: back Along in, with Dave Weiner. Yeah. Us, us and Dave Weiner. Us and yeah. Dave
0: Weiner.
1: <laughs> we just got in a room. We're like, listen, here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to get some coffee and a whiteboard, and we're going to figure out a way for people to have a show that's eventually called Serial. And before <laughs> then, it's just all going to be a bunch of nonsense.
0: <laughs> right. They saw, it's, it's like in Lost. They knew what the very last scene in the very last episode was going to be. They just had no idea how they were going to get there.
1: Right. And you know what? That explains a lot. Magnets, how do they work?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. dun, Alligator dun. in the bathroom. In the inaugural Alligator in episode the of Back
0: to Work, Merlin Mann and Dan Benjamin discuss why they're doing the show, getting back to work instead of buying berets, the lizard mm. brain, and compare the shadow of the mouse to San Francisco and eventually get some practical tips for removing friction. I was in Orlando. Oh, you sure were. Yeah. I was full of beans back then. Ah, you were loaded up.
1: Oh, I was on in Pack fuego, yeah. in fuego. Well, this is gonna, this is gonna be like a throwback episode. I'll tell you, buddy. Yeah, you, you like the ones where I prepare, right? I love those. Let's see how many lines I got here. One hundred nineteen lines of what? <laughs> You'll
0: see. One hundred nineteen lines. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna use all of it. Oh, like, like little bits. Like, take my wife, please. That's number one.
1: Oh, that's number right. Number two. Just go someplace she's never been. I said, try the kitchen. <laughs>
0: I take my Get wife everywhere but she always comes back.
1: Get this guy over here. We got no soup. Yeah. No, you <laughs> that's know that's four I'm, down, right? So So I uh, <laughs> you'll see I got a 100 and you know, I I'm trying to try. You know? <laughs> like Yoda. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um Anyways, watch so. the film this morning. Oh, really? Yeah. How come? Just because it it was time. A, well, I'm, I was thinking. <laughs> I oh, was sure. thinking about. Oh, that's just what you need. Yeah, chicken and soup for the neurotic soul. Yeah. Mm. My coffee's too hot. <clears throat> need to sleep. <clears throat> you see <clears throat> uh,
0: Westworld. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I
0: don't know what sh- I don't know what the show is anymore. I thought I knew. Now I don't know.
1: I'm. I'm super interested. I, I like it. I, I take every criticism. I understand. I I understand where people are coming from. I am very interested in, in where this show is going. Me too. I'm in. I like. You know, it doesn't hurt that I, I really, really like a lot of the cast, a lot. And um, that's Cyclops, isn't it? Uh, Cyclops. Who is the is the one guy? Yeah, the one guy. The the Fredo oh, James guy James about- Marsden. James Marsden, yes. You don't know because he always has his eye thing on. and, and Yeah, no, he's you're not right. It totally is him. But he's a such a different character in this. He's a different, I mean, <sighs> X-Men movies are whatever the opposite of a standout is for him. He's a very good actor. I, I don't think that was, we've said this so many times, I got some casting issues. I have very strong feelings about the casting in, in the X-Men movies. And I, I think he was not maybe a great fit yeah. for that. Yeah. And it doesn't really utilize his talents. Isn't he in that movie Frank? Not oh, The Frank. one's about the hot dog? The hot dog one? No. What's the one I'm thinking of? No, Frank's the one about the guy with the big head. What's the one with the robot? <laughs> He's in the one with the robot. Mars Attacks? Yes. Mars I- Sazerac.
0: Iron Giant.
1: Iron Giant. IG99. I always that's, that's get the, an Easter egg. Uh, the, the woman who plays
0: the boss in that movie, <clears throat> the woman who is the uh, sort of the boss of the behind the scenes thing. Her name is Sidsey Babbitt Knudsen or Knudsen. Oh, she's the producer lady on that? Uh, no, she's um, she's the one that's the boss, the boss lady. Sidsey. The one is always pissy walking around. Oh, you'll get this done. I, I don't care how much sleep you got, Jeffrey Wright. Um,
1: oh I'm sorry I thought you were talking about Iron Giant I was no so no no
0: still on oh yeah the, is she the English lady I don't I don't know if she's English I don't know what she is I think she is but she always I always the first second that I see her I have to remind myself that it's not Karen from Goodfellas
1: oh interesting I don't know
0: why but like that's like locked in now
1: you're imprinted on Karen in, yes I have imprinted <laughs> what's the guy's name not Jeffrey Rush he's the other guy right what's this guy's name it's Anthony is about Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. And it's the, uh, it's the fellow with the glasses. And he does that, that thing bloggers used to do in photos in, uh, in 2002 where he never looks through the, the glass on his glasses. Remember that used to be a look? You, you take your picture for your blog and you'd be looking over your glasses? Yeah. Like, you ever actually look through your glasses? You know those are there, right? Yeah, they're there for you to use. <laughs> Evan Rachel Wood evan rachel wood you
0: know why everybody has three names they ran out of names yeah she can do pretty much she can do no wrong
1: i could not tell you another thing she's been in but i love her in this mm. uh she i'm gonna have, have a lot to say about this show Evan revan rachel wood she's in 13 oh she's in the wrestler who was she in that i don't know I'm just looking at the uh at the google ides of march true blood she was in huh. true blood she was in true blood. What was she in that? I don't know. Uh Bloody Person number three. Across the universe into the forest, the wrestler. Marissa sort of overshadowed everyone else in the wrestler. I'm not
0: sure if anyone else was in that movie.
1: Oh, Peter Peter Parker's uh aunt? Yes. Which I
0: <laughs> completely approve of.
1: Yes. Yes. No- yes. So George Steimer yes. says nothing wrong with that. Ooh, Connie <laughs> Selica. Nothing wrong with that.
0: Now is somehow is uh Evan Rachel Wood connected in some way to Marilyn Manson.
1: Oh let's find out. They're dating. Oh, or is that or they is were that dating. Right?
0: They were dating.
1: Oh, he used to be married to the bondage lady, and then he so he's with Evan she, he's with Evan Rachel Wood. They were he's a, Oh. Yeah, I think he has mostly exes. Evan Rachel Wood. Marilyn Manson. Huh. Huh. Yeah. I'm learning a lot today. Yeah. Boy, he's a
0: really interesting looking fella. Sometimes even mamas make mistakes. Mmm. Even cowgirls. Mm Mm-hmm. The blues.
1: Anyways, um, how you doing?
0: All right. I'm better now.
1: Do you still want to do the episode?
0: Why don't we do it next week? We'll skip it. Do a show next week. This week, we'll just hang out. What's it called? Bye week. Yeah. Take a bye week. (laughs) No, let's do it. Of course do it.
1: Okay, I got, some, uh, I got some follow-up and some follow-up. What fake does it follow-up. mean,
0: lines? You have 118 lines. 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 Nine, nine lines.
1: Nine, nine times. <laughs> what does it mean? Well, when I'm in MVAlt, uh, I hit Control-Command-G and that opens it in t- uh, TextMate and then I can scroll down and I can see all my line numbers. Got 119 lines
0: just for ideas for the show?
1: Mm, well, I, I try to prepare, you know, by writing down what people said to us on the internet. Mm-hmm. And then I write down, uh, I do an outline, I, you know, do a little outline. Helps me think. Cause we have a great topic this week. We have a really good topic this week suggested by numerous listeners. Okay. Can I tease the topic? Yeah. Tease it. I'm gonna tease the topic. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't tease the topic. <laughs> Oh stupid. Um last week we did, and we're not gonna do the topic now. This is teasing the topic. So yeah. so cool, cool your jets, Johnny. Uh last week we uh talked about being on the receiving end of circle back email people. Right. Yeah. People who do lots of follow-up. It kind of springs off of our ongoing bit. About you know people wanting to have a guest on the show and then following up, following up, following up, mm-hmm. and we don't respond to them, and they keep following up, and it was you know, but it wasn't just out of a, a selfish need to be a, a funny person. It was also just kind of trying to figure out um, what I hope we talked about. And it's in show notes. You can see the link. To last week's episode, we talked about in specifically like what is it that's so frustrating about this, and what are the ways to kind of deal with that being on the receiving end of that. And uh, you know, my usual kind of like half-assed advice about, well, you know, if it's somebody that you know, why don't you talk to them? And it's somebody you don't know, why don't you learn to stop worrying about it? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's it, you know, print it up. Um and and several listeners uh through email and Twitter suggested that we talk about the corollary of that, which is you look, okay, all right, Mr. Busy. Um, we're not nobody's ever supposed to bother you, but like what if what if this is part of my job? What if my job is to reach out to strangers. What if my, what if my needs right now are to to get things from people and they're not getting them to me? So like, the way I'm phrasing it is, how do you pester people responsibly? And I have uh, I have a small unified field theory on that that actually has some uh, practical components, as right. you say. Cool. No, let's hear. That was that was just that was just teasing the topic. Yeah. This is very fast. I want to mention uh, first in passing. Um, task paper. Uh, task Paper 3.5 for Mac, OS 10, Mac, Sierra, whatever. It works on mine. I'm on the LCAP and it's fine. Task Paper 3.5 came out and it's really, really good. I've talked about Task Paper before. I really encourage you to check this out. Uh, as, as we talked about at length before, it's a very lightweight text format you take the text format called task paper where basically you know you have something on a line that's a string plus a colon that is a project if you have things under that that are a dash space in a string that's a task etc and you can add little context to these so it's it's kind of an old school geek way of just having a task list like you're you know to do that txt but adding some really nice flavor to it with this app in particular, I think Jesse, Jesse from Hog Bay, I think he's the one who came up with this format. But in any case, there's been other formats like it. But the idea is to have something incredibly lightweight and portable that lets you have something slightly more sophisticated than a flat to-do list list, and something far less Byzantine than a big productivity system. And what's neat about this, so the app, the task paper app that Jesse makes, uh, enables you to open up these text files, which as I say are .taskpaper. And it's got lots of really nice functionality built into the app. So you can do stuff like you get a GUI. So if you want to mark a task as completed, you hit like Command-D, Command-Shift-A moves all finished tasks to the archive. That's all been great. But he's added a bunch of really neat new stuff to it that does not betray the need for simplicity while adding some nice features. So now you get a nice little side rail in the app. So any, you see all your projects in the side rail. You see your context in the side rail. And he's got a really cool, I guess, Boolean style, not Boolean, but you know it's a search. He's got a cool search system. So you can find tasks that are due because you can assign due dates to tasks. And a nice new innovation, you can now have those searches saved inside your task paper document. It just becomes like another section. And it's really cool. So if you're, uh, and I've seen a couple of people say, you know, I've been hearing about this thing for years. I finally looked at it. Oh my God, this is what I was looking for. It's not for everybody, but if you're looking for a lightweight uh, method for tracking the stuff you're working on, I use it a lot for like sort of near term stuff, stuff I'm working on today, this week, um, it's very, very handy. So check it out. And it's in show notes. Dan, where would people find show notes for this episode of your Back to Work program?
0: Oh, for this one, you're going to go to 5 by 5tv slash B2W
1: slash 294. 294. And you find that four. at taskpaper.com, which is on the internet. Um very 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 quick bits of follow-up here. Uh follow-up on board games. Okay. I, I said somewhat lazily, I used as an example of poor build quality the uh the craptitude of, of board games. And I was speaking specifically of crappy kids mass market board games. And that I, I thought that was clear, but it wasn't. Uh I was not indicting the quality of board games because I am thank you thank you for people who wrote though, I am very aware that there has been like a huge renaissance in the last decade or two. With board games for grownups, and and you know the Germans in particular, the Germans love a board game. The Germans make a great board game, and so I know there are many excellent, high quality, very well thought out, well tested board games out there. I if I if I appear to have impugned the world of board games, I apologize. That's not what I meant. What I really meant is that the game of life is a dumpster fire. Mm. It's just not a good game. Now Candyland. Mm. Mm. So I would say I told I told you the way to make Candyland better, right? Yeah, I told you that. Have you? There's only one way to make Candyland better. Well, the, the main way to make Candyland better is to never play it, make your child not aware of it. Yes, the problem you said with that. Candy, Candyland is not, there is no skill involved in Candyland. The way that you shuffle the cards, that, that deck, you could basically just look at that deck and see who's going to win. But that's okay, because it's for little kids. If your kid is not two, if your kid is four, if your kid's a little bit older, here's my suggestion. I forget where I heard this. I'm sure it's someone else's idea, like most ideas. But when you're playing Candyland, when you draw... You draw two cards. You know, I think you have told me told me about this. This is not going to make this into uh, Lords of Waterdeep, but like it, it does make it a little more fun. So you pick two cards, and then the kid or and you you get to choose which cards you want. And so you have to think, and that sounds silly, but that way it becomes a little bit more strategic, where you pick which of those two cards you want to employ. So you might go, oh, I see count, 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 count. That would send me into the candy dungeon. I don't want to do that. I'm going to pick this one because that'll give me more moves. It's kind of silly, but I mean, given that candy land is mostly a way to learn how to count and cry. uh, That's (laughs) (laughs) counting and crying. Oh, man. That's a good one. So that's one to grow on. But, you know, my apologies to to the board game community.
0: I, I accept on their behalf.
1: Thank you, thank you, Dan.
0: Oh, uh, one of the listeners says that she plays the daughter in the Wrestler.
1: The daughter in the Wrestler. The daughter in the Wrestler. I should watch that again. I like that movie a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a tough movie. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had some follow up from people. Your, you, um, Dan's concern last week was talking about his smoke detectors. Oh, I've
0: got a lot more to say about that if you want.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. You know, I'd love to hear. I just want to mention two little bits of follow up. Um. Listener, listener Julie wrote in to say, "Hey, thank you for telling me about this. I did not know that smoke detectors sh- could die. Right. And she went and she discovered <laughs> and that hers yes, were dead. Hers were dead. Yeah. so so thank you for the thank you, listener Julie. Listener Justin writes in to say, the lights on the smoke alarm showing are showing that it's on. It may be a requirement uh, of uh, the standard, like UL underwriters Lab 217. And he cites some uh, some documentation for that. That basically it's what maybe we suspected, which is that you have to show that it's working, which I thought was interesting. Right. Now, Dan, it sounds like you have some follow-up on, on your smoke detectors. How How is that situation uh, evolving for you?
0: Sure. Well, I do appreciate all of the people who uh, emailed or tweeted me about it. And a couple people had one type to recommend that a few different people recommended all at the same time. And I think it's... Uh, It's called the, I'll see if I can find it. I think it's Universal Electric. Um, It has a design, or maybe it's Universal Security. Anyway, I will, yeah, Universal Security Instruments is the manufacturer. I'll put it into our show notes. The thing about those, they look very much like they are not going to, you know, like they will not have light leakage that we were complaining about in the last episode. But, and they are wired and everything else but they are the uh, f- uh f- the old style they're the the ionic not the photoelectric or they're photoelectric and not ionic whatever i'm looking right, to see right, right. the description of the one that they are but they, a bunch of people sent me some videos uh one of them was very interesting it it actually showed some uh i don't know if it was a uh like a news crew or if it was like a, some documentary people, but they basically had some firefighters who went to a house, I guess that was going to be demolished. And they put, <clears throat> they put some of these f- smoke detectors up in a, in a room all together on uh, on the ceiling. And then they filmed them and then they started and intentionally started two different kinds of fires and tested how they respond.
1: Oh, I love stuff like
0: this. It was very, very cool. Um, the, the newer type, which I believe is the photoelectric kind, not the ionic uh, or ionization kind—and um, by the way, u- universal security makes both kinds—but they started one, and it, uh, over, it was interesting because the, the older style, the ones that I always had up until now, and I guess the kind that we all grew up with until very recently, I believe that's the ionization type— They uh, were a bit slower to detect the smoke and the fire and the heat and other things than the newer photoelectric kind were, in some cases, several minutes slower. But the kinds that were the slowest of all were the combo kind, the ones that that have both types in it or the kind that combine with uh, carbon monoxide, which you would think, oh, I want the kind that tests everything. It's the most safe. But in fact, these Mm -hmm. took longer um, to detect it. But in any case that's that feedback the one that they recommended i have not gotten it yet i may i may wind up getting it uh but right now i'm just using the the sort of newer photoelectric ones with as much tape and stuff as i could angelo uh who does the latest in paleo podcast emailed me and said oh i open mine up because you know he's like the guru of paleo human living and all of that stuff right. and he uh he, he's a paleo hacker. Yes, and he's very concerned about unnatural light sources and things like that and he he said, "Oh, I always would I would open them up and I would put tape over the little light so that you couldn't so that the light itself was blocked off." And I said, "Well, darn it, I'm going to try that." And I uh, I took one of the many that we had and I found that they don't want you to open these things, Merlin.
1: They go oh, out of their
0: way to to make it so that if you it's because
1: of that uh, the the unibody design the the chamfered edges the the soft mat yeah
0: so there were three little clips going around the outside of it and the three the little clips had you you kind of if you do it just right you could use a very small screwdriver and kind of pry the clip down and uh and and kind of shimmy the jimmy the the, the, the top off and. Anyway, long story short, if you're not very careful, which I wasn't, you break, you break the little pins and then you have to tape it back together with, with tape. Uh, but it still works. Yeah. But that's not a good, that's not a good solution for me.
1: Yeah. 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 I, uh, I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. I mean, why does this have to be so hard? You know? Like there's certain kinds of modes in devices that I could just do without a famous one being my microwave that as soon as anything is done, it says in blue LED letters, enjoy your meal. Mm -hmm. I wish I could turn that off. Yeah. It makes me sad when my microwave has has thoughts on how I'm running my life. It troubles me. There's all kinds of stuff like that. There's So many things I just don't need a light on. Um, if I could pivot here, listener Ed sent in an interesting link. Um, we've talked in the past about how animals like, like you and me going to a hotel room, were putting gaffer tape or gorilla tape over all the lights. Yeah. I put it over the peephole. Like I, I just, ugh, I just shut it all down. Um, and I've, I've had those sheets of stuff you can cut up. One, one listener also mentioned, I forget who. I forget her name. I apologize. Was saying she was trying to do this with white gaffers tape, and it didn't work as well on like white appliances. But you know, it's ugly, but it works. Uh, listener Ed sends in a link to something that's in show notes, uh, quoting: "This stuff is a transparent, deep ruby red adhesive tape used by lithographers to force areas of photographed artwork to appear black. Has long history in commercial darkrooms, used primarily for making printing plates. I use it to cover up LEDs on televisions and hard drives, etc." Works best on a dark surface because it is tape and would look a bit unseemly on a light colored, colored, uh, colored surface. That's a cool idea. I I never thought of that. Yeah, I like it. Yeah.
0: I mean, anything, anything to cut back on it. You know, and and the other thing Angelo said, he's like, you know, if they just used red lights or orange lights, that would be fine. It's the fact that it's like you're talking about, it's like the bright blue or the bright green light. That's what you want out of there.
1: Well, it is. It's also ironic because whenever I'm trying to uh, talk to my kids about the usefulness of notifications and the when when notifications are not useful, when they become uh, too much, I frequently use actually use the example of a smoke detector as my example of the right kind of notification. You know, a, a smoke a smoke detector when it's working properly doesn't do anything until it really needs to, and when it does make that noise, you really notice it and you change your behavior very quickly. That that's the ultimate kind of notification. So it is ironic though that you would take something that's so so useful in its doing nothing until it's important and then you have this little light that goes, Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. But you know, you know who I blame? I blame those monsters in underwriters lab. Big, big, uh, big electric, we call them. Yeah, big that's what you call them. They're the ones who haven't put all those small cords on everything. When I was a kid, you'd get a forty foot cord for every appliance. You could carry you could carry yeah. your toaster oven from room to room.
0: Yeah, why did they? why did they cut
1: back on that? because I think I reckon I think I heard that the long cords were being tripped over and causing appliances to fall on the floor and do dangerous things. Now you take our rice cooker. I love our rice cooker. It's got one of those little um what do you call it? like you, you pull the cord out and when you so how would you call that? Not telescoping, oh, but like you pull uh, the cord out and then it pulls it back, and you pull it yeah, just. Yeah, ret- so retractable, gini. retracting, retractable cord on the rice cooker. La la la. It works great for me. I love our rice cooker. You got oh, you don't? You don't? You don't eat rice? Oh no, I eat the I eat the heck out of a rice. You have some rice. Yeah, we, but I like you, it. It's idiot proof. What it's kind of rice cooker do you have, cooker.
0: though? That's my. question. I'll
1: find out. I'll find out when when we do our next spot. I will go and try to find our rice cooker. Here's what I like about our rice cooker. It's a it's a I'm not being ping pong. It's a Japanese rice cooker.
0: Is it Zojirushi? Uh,
1: but sure. Don't touch my mustache. Zojirushi, the little elephant? P- probably. It plays Twinkle Little Star. That's probably it. Tinkle, chinko beep pa. <laughs> Real rice is cooking.
0: Does it? But is Hello. there the little Zojirushi elephant on it or not?
1: I, 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 you don't um, know if you have a cute little elephant? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say. I don't want to, you know. Because if it it's wrong. not Zojirushi, you're not making rice. Okay. Oh boy, that's a freebie. They're just gonna have to run with that one. Yeah. Zojirushi, N S Z C C 18, 10 cup, neuro fuzzy rice cooker. Yeah, you gotta be there. It's gotta be neuro fuzzy. Yeah, you don't want the you don't you don't want the uh Ugh. the uh behavioral fuzzy. You want the neuro fuzzy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Lacan said. Zojirushi, NSZCC 1810 18, 10 cup, neuro fuzzy rice cooker. It still looks like the latest model, too. It's, it's evergreen oh it does it's gotta see there's an elephant right on there there's a rainbow on the door um so I'll put that in notes and uh what I love about that one now this is apropos of nothing dan it's apropos of nothing what I like I bought that on November 8th, 2007 we're still using it and what I love about that is it's so it's so stupid easy to use from day one it is really idiot proof in in this sense so there's do you have one of these
0: I have an older model. It's probably five
1: years old, more. But it's got does it have the bucket with the lines on it inside? Yes. Okay, so this is really idiot proof. So you put in, in our case, our family, we we take two cups of uh, jasmine basmati rice. You put it in there, and then you fill it up to the number two, and then it makes your rice. Now, if you make that rice and it wasn't the way that you want you have several options here. You could put more or less water in, or you could utilize the menu button to say, I want softer rice. I want harder rice. And it will do that for you. So you only have to like have one failed rice for this to work great forever. We make all kinds of rice in this. We'll make a uh, we'll make a we'll make a we'll make a very deluxe rice in this. Nothing
0: is better and I don't know what kind of rice you guys are making but you know my wife is uh she's half Korean so we eat the sort of Korean style rice which if you don't know it's what that's a that, shorter shorter yeah, grain? Yeah, it's a short grain and it's what you would probably either call like sticky rice or similar mm-hmm. to sushi rice. Um Hi. 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 But it's very flavorful. And uh and I've I've been eating it for so many years, for so long, that I always forget that when people say rice that's not what they mean. They mean some other thing that's like dry and all the pieces of rice are sort of separated. So it's like I when someone makes rice, I'm like, Oh, this isn't this is like a different thing. It's like exciting, you know, and it's like try a different kind of rice now. But I love that and I'll get home and sometimes she'll say, Oh, I just get a new thing of rice. Oh man, the steam coming off of it, the fresh mm-hmm sticky rice and oh
1: and it's always a hit with the kids I put it in notes Mahatma Jasmine again not my favorite pole dancer there could be only one (laughs) Mahatma Jasmine helping a lot of people today yeah that's most of that's it there's 118 uh, lines yeah got it all we can talk about whatever you want Uh, maybe we'll find time to talk about your journal topic too but I'd love to talk about pestering responsibly if that works for you I would love that Do you want to tell me about something that you like? I'll tell you about our friends over at Squarespace. Squarespace!
0: Squarespace.com slash back to work is where you go to start your free trial today. What does that mean? It means you're going to go and create a professionally designed, beautiful, sexy website, regardless of your skill level. No coding required. They have the most easy-to-use tools. You can create a site, and while, while you're making these design changes and tweaks to it and putting in content, you get to see it live as it's happening. I mean, they've made this so easy to do. There really isn't an easier or more simple or more direct way to make a website. So many templates that are there. So if you come in, you see, you know what? We've got a restaurant. We've got an iOS app. We've got a business. We've got a personal page. They have a template or probably multiple templates in each category that you could possibly think of for a you know like a wedding or band photos whatever it is you can even you can you can uh, you can host your your music if you're a musician you put put up your latest album I mean, all this stuff is built in and you get a free domain if you sign up for a year and the URL to go to is squarespace.com/slash back to work and when you sign up again if you sign up for a year free domain when you sign up you're going to use the code it's your show one word it's your show and you'll get 10% off your first purchase over there. So thank you very much to Squarespace who have made it so easy and beautiful to, uh, to create a website. And uh, we appreciate them. We appreciate their ongoing support, long-term support. Squarespace.com slash back to work. It's your show to get 10% off your
1: first purchase. Big fan. Um, thank you, Squarespace. Thank you. Bok bok. You know, and we, bok bok, we haven't done this in a, in a month or so. I'm just going to remind y'all Keep Squarespace in mind. Even if you think you don't need it, think about it for the people in your life who might need it. Because I can pretty much guarantee there is somebody in your life, in the next few months, you're going to run into somebody who is going to really benefit from this. Especially if they have to do the website for a preschool. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. I, they, we, <laughs> I, I We don't have the password for the web I think his name was Bill. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Yeah. <sighs> we need to get the... Um, how about instead, you give me five really useful pages in Microsoft Word, write up five things, like spend a morning, you give me that, and then I will use this Patronus charm to have a website for you tonight.
0: We are halfway Ooh. through the, the last book.
1: Oh, boy, that's a slog, huh? I, I, that's the only one where Madeline was like, "Yeah, this one's really not doesn't have quite the pacing of the other
0: ones." Really, I don't know. I'm I just I'm so into it. I don't know. I like it.
1: Mm. I like them a lot. We watched. Um, I still, you know, I'm 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 heretical. I really love the movies so much.
0: I Especially, my son finds the first movie excellent, and then I think the second and third. Or the third and fourth, I think there's a couple of them. Maybe it's the third and fourth that he just he thinks they're just terrible. They're just because they're too can't. long. No, because it, they're they're significantly different from the book in ways that don't benefit the movie. Oh right, I totally right, right, right. understand when they they take you know like and I'm one of one of uh, our old favorite movies, Fight
1: Club. Um, oh, it's a terrific movie. The the changes. A lot of people watch that movie wrong, Dan. What do you do? Back back to front. Oh, they don't understand that it's a commentary on the people who think they understand Fight Club. All oh, I, right, I see, I get
0: it. But, Sorry, go ahead. That, that movie, I feel like that movie, what was changed from the book, it improved upon it. It was, it was a better end result, I think, in, in a lot of ways. Have, have you book. read that book, Chuck Palahniuk? Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, yes. Is that Canadian? I don't know what he is. Hmm. But he. That's uh, no, a good. It's a good movie. I, I, you know, but again, I think I think the movie was better than the book. I think in this case, I could understand why they would make some changes in certain ones. But then they got better again. They got better, and the the last one was better. So,
1: this one's good. Um, the second to the last one. Has that Hunger Games problem where it's so clearly like the obviously it's part one, it's right on the tin, but it's the oh, but this setup. Is where they
0: split the last book into two separate movies. Yeah,
1: and it's like oh, uh, but you know, I guess they kind of had to. I see, I, I, with respect, I disagree with your sign. For me, my far and away favorite is number three, Prisoner of Azkaban, is like to me almost on another level. I like all the movies a lot, but I, I think three is really good, and I really like four. I really like Output of Fire a lot. Um, I'm going to have but, to see which, which ones it was that he didn't like. I'll ask him. Well, it's just, you know, there there's like, I feel almost like there's these three kind of eras, or, well, you got the first two. You got the Columbus movies, which are very much like kids' movies. And I'm I'm talking here about, I'm talking about the movies. I'm not talking about the books. Like, I I understand why people... Some people go, can't even watch the movies. I totally get that. I'm talking about somebody who primarily came at this through the movies. The first two are really good, but they're kids movies and you know, they're fun. But, um, three is, oh my gosh, what's his name? Coron does such a good job with the music and the visuals. And it's, it's so creative. And then I, I do think Goblet of Fire is very good, but that is like when it officially gets really effing dark. Because you get the whole yeah. Diggory thing, yeah, yeah, and and there is a lot, of, there's a lot of scenes. I mean, the opening shot where they're like they're like, um, not panning, but you know, they're you're, they're showing you the skulls on the gravestone that will become important at the yeah, end. Yeah, yep. Without spoiling anything, and then you know, it's it's it is a very chilling movie. But I feel like, yeah, and then four, and then I feel like, what is is it? David Yates, the guy who came on, I think with five, I think with Order of the Phoenix. And then those those last, you know, that last set of movies, four, five, six, and seven, I guess. I I, I love that guy's palette. I love, so I haven't I love seen the the last, those
0: movies. The last two movies I haven't seen yet because
1: we're waiting until we finish. We no longer watch part one of Deathly Hallows because something sad happens with a, a character that is very beloved in our house. And we can't watch that scene anymore. But I don't know. I'm a, I'm a sucker. I'm a sap. I, I even up to the ending that everybody hates. I really like. The last Harry Potter movie, I think it's really good and very rewarding and very sweet. But um, I still continue to say, like if you if you could give a throw about this particular franchise and you only have time to watch one, I still think three is is a really really good one. Four, so great! It's got the bow the bow batten's. You see how obsessed Ron is with butts. <laughs> He's the Tina Belcher of that movie. I got. I don't
0: know. I'm gonna have to see what which one he doesn't like.
1: The only thing you got to know, everybody hates Harry Potter at the beginning of the movie. Oh my gosh, he's the worst! And then, uh, I don't know. I love the framing device though of the school year. I, I love it so much. I love the way this, the framing device of like you were at you we're at wherever, you got to get to the train station, and they they take a little twist on that in every movie. And I really I really like what they do with that. Yep. So, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. A wizard, Harry.
0: What do you call the little the little things? They're dunnies. You know, a dunny, dobby. No, the little not in a Harry Potter thing. Well, they're, they're um, they're like figures. They're little, little, certain kind of a shape, like a vinyl toy. That oh they sell yeah, at those little specialty little shops.
1: Yeah, like uh, not a Funko.
0: Not yet, like that kind of right, that kind of thing. They just came out with some Harry Potter ones. Oh, nice. And they're they're bl- bl- blind box. Blind
1: Box, and I they're it, box.
0: they're very good. They're very good. I highly recommend them. It just came out last week, I think.
1: Oh and, man, uh, I just saw
0: it. Sorry, we got Hermione.
1: Oh, I love Hermione. Um, I saw a cool retweet from Max Temkin this morning that you might like. Uh, yeah, check this out. I'll put this in notes. Ollie Moss announcing seven new officially licensed Harry Potter art prints. I'll send this to you in the dingus. Oh, yeah. And it's it's very, it's very, is it okay to send it in Skype? You sure, get that? yeah, I will. Um, and it's seven posters, and it's all the same shot, basically. It's all the same, like, you know, shot of Hogwarts up on this mountain. But then, go and look at it. I'm the Little looking, differences for each movie. For each book, sorry. <laughs> oh,
0: wow, look at that. Oh, there's that one cool? with the Patronus on it.
1: Yeah. Look at the that. stag. Yeah. Look at the car and the second one you see the car going through the air. Oh, Isn't that yeah. great? Wow. Wamping Willow. I will put this in show notes. And these are out now? Uh, in collaboration with Potter Moore. Uh link. Oh yeah, you can go to this guy's site. Go to moss.fm and you can see them there. Whoa, two seventy five. That's a chunk of change. For are all of nice? them? For every one of them or each? Yeah. Sixteen by twenty four, hand numbered, officially licensed. Harry Potter something art prints. Oh
0: god, these are too good. These are really nice. I'm going to have to buy some of this, damn it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with Ugh. you.
0: 50, okay. <laughs> 50 bucks a pop, 270, you know, I, this is this guy is the guy that did those Star Wars prints that I have.
1: I love those Star Wars prints. I <gasps> yeah, I That's him. Yeah, that's Ollie
0: him. Moss. Ali Moss. I uh I remember um when the time came you know, they were they, the site that made those was through Mondo, which is somehow associated with the Alamo Draft House, or the the prints were for the Alamo Draft House Star Wars movies leading up to something. I don't remember the whole story, but they had a they had a, a notoriously bad reputation for the site going down because everybody would want to get these things as soon as they came out. So like every time they would announce a new poster, the site would go down or they wouldn't, they were never really straight up with like, they're going to go on sale at 8am. They would just sort of randomly pick a time in the day and then s- would tweet about it. And then if you got there in time, great. If not oh well. So I wrote a Ruby script that ran uh, once every minute and went out and checked to see if there was a change. And if there was, it would send me a, send me an alert.
1: Oh, clever.
0: So, yeah, I got the alert and I immediately went over to my computer and the site was like super super slow already and I uh, it was just looking for a change on that page and um and I managed to order them. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I managed to order the whole set and I have the whole set. And like that's the really really apparently like impossible to do. But I got the whole set, and I come to find out that they're worth, like, I i don't think I would sell them, but they're worth a lot of money now.
1: Wow, that's interesting. That's that's so unusual today to, not un, not totally unusual, but it's, it's interesting in this age of, you know, mass everything to, you know, make something deliberately kind of scarce like that. Yeah. And I love that guy's style. He has such oh, good so taste. Good.
0: I, lo- I like the, I mean, I like Star Wars so much, but I think I like these even a little bit better. Look at
1: these. Beautiful. I put them in show notes. You can oh, find them there. God. Don't go to the website, though, because Dan wants to get them. Yeah, don't go until I give you the all-clear. It starts on October 25th, so please wait until at least, let's say, the 27th. Give it give it some time. Is that when they're on sale? I think so. Okay, so last week, we talked about... this. The topic this week, how to pester responsibly. We talked last week about being on the receiving end of email, follow-up, and circle back people. And as I mentioned, um, some listeners had said, well, you know, hey, what about the other side of this? And I, I, I think that's a very... Uh, good and important and complicated question that 's worth talking about here because I think in the same way that there 's stuff to learn about being on the receiving end of stuff you don 't want, I mean so much of this stuff comes back, comes back to empathy and thinking about you know why is this a problem is is it <laughs> and and in this case, putting our, putting yourself in the position of saying, well like what if you're the person who really wants something and you 're not getting a response Sh- what should you be doing? Could you be more effective? And sort of what are the kind of implications of that? Right. Um, so last time we talked about getting getting the follow-up you don't want, how to deal with it in the real world. Some of the things people said, you know, basically like one person in particular said, hey, you know, I'm trying really hard to get a job. And this person that I talked to said that I could contact them about it. And I really, really want this job and they're not getting back to me. Like, am I a bad person to do mm-hmm. that? Yeah. There are other kinds of people who... Let's say you work in public relations, and your job is to go out and contact people you probably don't know and and you know and if, if you're contacting anybody, you're probably contacting them because they have some kind of an audience. they might be busy people who knows, but it's your job to get in touch with them. How do you know how do you know when it's right to you know send things to those people? How do you know the right amount of follow-up um, you know some of the other questions what if, some, what if somebody expressed an interest in this, and they just seem to be ignoring me? you know what if this is something really important and i'm not getting a response so i think those are those are really good questions and before we get to the practical component though i i just wanted to talk about the thing i always do right i want i want to kind of break this down a little bit and like why is this hard like why is this a, a problem like if this if this is a problem there must be something about this that is difficult or seemingly unsolvable and what is the thing about this that feels difficult or unsolvable and the big the big super pattern seems to be that there's somebody over here who wants something a lot from me, which is not necessarily me, but you know, the person over here is somebody who wants something a lot. And over here is somebody who has very little interest in even getting involved, okay. let alone having a big discussion about it. And so where where can those kinds of disconnects be happening? I realize this seems over obvious, but I, I think this is useful. You know? And so how do we break this down and figure out the problem we're addressing? And and I have done it thus and such. Like which one of these matches what you're feeling right now as the person who's sending these and not getting a response. I'm frustrated that I can't do my work because people aren't responding. Mm-hmm. I'm annoyed that people are mad at me. It's an emotional thing. Maybe I'm, I'm angry that people are being rude because I'm doing my job. Some people probably feel very conflicted, like the, the fellow who was trying to get the job. He feels conflicted about whether he's doing this the right way. Maybe you feel sad because you think people are misunderstanding you or maybe you are just actually genuinely perplexed that somebody does not see the value of what you're doing. And you might, you might have a very emotional response if that person is not even taking the time to write back to you to say no thanks. And so I think it's useful to identify what is the, what is the feeling that you have about this? Do you have no feeling at all about this? Well, then you probably are a bot because only a bot would have no feeling about this. If you contact a lot of people with something you think is important and you're not getting the response that you think, if there's. Put differently, there's a, if, there's, if you're not having any cognitive dissonance about the effectiveness of what you're doing, it really probably is time to rethink your approach and your methods. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, if I, if it were my job to contact people, and I've, I've gone through this in, in a former life as a project manager, uh, my flavor of this would be the people that I work for say, look, we need to have a conference call with these six people. And as you know, this is always my, my test case for like why I need a productivity in my life from circa 2002 okay we got these six people there's the two people that are in this room there's somebody in london maybe there's somebody in hong kong you've got to get all of these people to get on a reliable phone call at the same point in time if not in space and that is that's gotten a little bit less difficult over time but it's very difficult to do and if it's something where, and the thing is, I worked for smart people. They were saying, these are the six people we need. They were not just adding people for the sake of adding them. It was something where those were six people where those people needed to be involved with the decision to keep the project moving on time. So, you know, the unit test for me is very clear here. We talked before about having a mental unit test when you're writing an email to somebody, right. like figure out exactly what response you need, you know, and then figure out the subject line and the body of an email that will get you what you need or will make it make it easy to pivot to whatever is the thing besides what you need. But think about that really clearly and have a clear like zero one idea in your head about whether that email was successful. And I found that incredibly challenging, not mm. least because time zones are complicated. And as you know, people who live anywhere but the East Coast have to just deal with the fact that people don't even think about something besides the working day in New York City. Um, but it would be very frustrating because I might get four of those people. I've got the two people here. I know what their schedule is. i got somebody over here. I know what that person's schedule is. They're really game to get this done. How about this? Maybe the maybe the woman in London is very aggressive about getting this going because maybe she's the primary stakeholder in this. She's the person who hired this company and they really need this thing to keep moving or it's going to be her butt on the line. But then you've got to call in somebody who's just not responding. Like, what do you do? Like, I'm not in a position to like yell at that person. I, I'm not, my job is very administrative. I'm, I'm a staff member. It's not my, I don't have the proxy power to go in and yell at that person and tell them they're being a jerk for not responding to this important email. So I want I just want to stipulate that, you know, I think it is useful to identify the feeling that you have about this. As John, John Roderick's uh, friend, Mike Squires likes to say, feelings are real. Like identify if there's a strong feeling about this and identify if it is dissonant with what you think people should be doing because therein lies the tale. Like that to me is where we start figuring out where the Delta is. If you're consistently doing something in a way that you think makes a lot of sense and you're consistently not get, or more or less consistently not getting the results that you think are entirely reasonable, something's got to give, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, to me. Yeah.
0: So what, what winds up being the thing that, that gives?
1: Well, I I I have I have thoughts I have thoughts on this, but I, I want to get I want to get one, one thing out of the way, and this is a little bit of venting, but I don't mean it to be venting. But and this goes to I think our own feelings online and offline, and talking about the frustration on the being on the receiving end, and but I think it's also critical to understanding how to get better at this. This is just my impression as somebody who's a little bit burned out, somebody who's very burned out on getting a lot of demands from people I don't know. Yeah, my sense is as the mostly the recipient of this, that a lot of the circle back people have a tendency to jump straight to an exasperated sense of drama and frustration if they don't get the thing that they wanted in the way that they want it and over the time and resource frame that they have created. So... You know, if you if somebody sends you, you, I never ask for this, but somebody's demanding something from me, and I don't respond. And they, I feel like sometimes, like we said last week, it can be somewhere between passive aggressive and hostile when somebody keeps coming back at you with why, you know, a why are you not doing the thing I ask you to do? But b hey, you haven't even responded to my email about this. So who's right and who's wrong in that situation? Well, I, I'm going to stipulate that if you are not getting the results you want from contacting people and following up, ask yourself if you are thinking about it from the point of view of the other person. And specifically, I don't mean to, to sound critical or unkind, but really be careful about asking yourself whether the way that you're doing this is strictly for your own convenience rather than being something that is useful to the other person. So, so, so you know what I mean? It's, it's, and this is again something I, I picked up a little bit as a project manager. Is you have to think a lot about other people's time and motivation. When you're when you're at, especially if you're a stranger and you're asking them to do something, be very circumspect about demanding it be done your way in your timetable. Because one very good way, personally for myself, one very good way to ensure I will not not respond to your email and may just block you in Gmail, is that I feel like you are making a somewhat aggressive demand based on a way that this is very convenient for you rather than anything that you're even considering like like my point of view and it's not that I think I'm special or something it's just more that let's look, think look, what is spam like what is classic email spam classic email spam means that you are able to send a very large amount of information to a lot of different people because it doesn't cost anything mm-hmm. if it costs you anything to send spam it wouldn't become effective it wouldn't be effective right, right. And so when you're when you're if you're not getting the results that you want from this, I think it's really valuable to admit that this may not be the right fit. Something's not right about your approach to this. And and I'm gonna go into specifics on that in a second. But I feel like I, I feel like, first of all, like try try don't be lazy. Don't be selfish about this. Don't don't demand from from people who are strangers especially. Um, things that they might very well think is unreasonable because I think that flips the bozo a bit. Right? I mean, yeah. it's one thing to get a note from somebody and say, hey, can you do this thing? And it's another thing for somebody to start out. Of course, they always want to start by telling you a little about myself, which is a, a, a terrible way to start anything. But people feel they need to do that. They they want to whip it out and show their bona fides and then and then make some kind of a, a fairly specific request on a certain timetable. This could be reporters. Sometimes reporters are like, hey, I need I need to interview th- you this afternoon. And <laughs> It's like, well, okay, that's not going to happen, but (laughs) so it's my fault if I don't do it. Like that's, that's kind of weird. And so again, look to that dissonance. If you have a feeling about this, that seems at odds with how you think this should be working. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Doesn't that seem like a pretty good sign that this is a process that you need to re-examine for its efficacy?
0: So you said you had some specifics. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want. I don't want to interrupt where you're going with this. Uh, let no, me, the, no, 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 go ahead, and I'll jump in
1: in a second. No, no, please, please go ahead. I'm sorry. I just you know you know what it is, how it is with me, and this is this is a, a real liability on my part. Is that I think advice is not difficult. I think I think, and this really goes way back with us, but um, with this program, is that I think giving people advice is very simple. Um, it's almost too easy to give people advice and to say, okay, you have a problem, here's how to fix it. Here's 10 surprising ways that you can get people to respond to your emails. (laughs) I think that's not difficult. And I could actually probably give you a bunch of, give the listener a bunch of BS about that. I think your problem is not a lack of advice. I think it's a lack of understanding. Hmm. And I think before a lot of advice can be really useful, it's good to understand why you need that advice. So, you know, if the doctor just arbitrarily tells you to go change a bunch of stuff about your life, you might go forget that. Like, right. oh, I'm, re- I'm really, I'm in- really, I'm really into c- crack coffee and internet porn and I'm not changing anything about that. But they go, well, you know, you actually have this heart problem that's pretty advanced and, you know, or you might have this, you might have a, an insulin problem that tells me that like, we really need to watch what you're doing for, for diabetes. So if they just went in and said, here's my advice, eat less sugar. See, right. in a year, that's not, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just saying that I think, I think in order to understand what advice can be useful, you have to do a little bit of soul searching and understand what your potential role in this is. And as the person who's sending these emails, I mean, I, I think you have to be prepared for the fact that you are a nuisance to people. Yeah. And if you don't think you're a nuisance to people, I don't have any advice that is not black hat advice. Any advice I give you now is about tricking other people into thinking you're doing something valuable. Mm. So are you doing something valuable? Is your, is your feeling about the value of what you're doing well-founded? Well, then why isn't it working? That, that's, that's why I feel like you, for example, you know, you know, my old example of like, be careful with emails because every email is a pebble. It's something I used to say a lot that I think is pretty good is that when you send an email to somebody, it's a pebble. And that's because you if to you it feels impossibly small, impossibly trivial. I just want you to do this one thing. What you do not know is how many pebbles that person is carrying that day. and so just to pivot to to this specific example, mm-hmm. before you send a request automated or um manual, before you send a request to somebody, ask yourself this question: What if ten other people sent this same request today mm-hmm. to this person? would it still be a pebble? Because at that point, that's actually kind of like a good hand-sized rock right. that that person deals right. with now. So if everybody were doing this the way that I was doing this, and remember, they all feel just as strongly about their value. And now add to that three follow-ups. And so what are, you, what are you doing to that person when you do that? That just seems like a grudge at that point. And if it's not a grudge, well, then you might be looking at it wrong. And that's why it's not effective. So yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to jump into the practical stuff. But that, that's why I just wanted to get through that part first. So yeah, go.
0: Well, I mean, one of the things that I, I well, I, of course, I love the pebble on the, the handheld rock analogy. I think there is, you know, we talked about this last time just a little. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but every time that I get, you know, like I get so many of these emails. Here's, here's one from someone named Andrea, and uh, the subject line is new tech, new tech razor. Dan. Technology is shaking up the shaving industry once again. <laughs> a new innovation in razors will change the way people shave. I thought you might have interest in this new launch. Um, I've got that's, so that's many... A pretty
1: good, that's actually a, a pretty good example.
0: I, I thought, you know, as I was listening to what you're talking about, that, that is a pretty good one. There's, um, There was another one I had marked. This one actually came in this morning right before the show when, we, when I was looking at stuff. But there's so many that are like this and it's it really seems they all seem they all have that feeling of like maybe you know maybe that this is that
1: could that would not pass the Turing test like that I feel like or avoid conf like that that to me is indistinguishable from an access database (laughs) here's another (laughs) one officially advanced friendship is indistinguishable from access
0: hello Dan before proceeding further with reasons for contacting you uh, comma, <laughs> a comma. Allow me to introduce myself first.
1: Oh God, let me take a little bit.
0: <laughs> and and it's it before the actually get to the point of the whole email. It's you know two paragraphs down. Yeah, I remember there was somebody. I forget if it was um, it was it Fred Wilson, one of the VC guys was saying, he was like, I get a thousand emails a day, you know, and they're all n- not talking about the spam ones, just the regular ones. And he's like, here's, here's the tip. Here's the way to do it. You know, like summarize your email in the first sentence. Uh, you don't even need to put, you know, TLDR or anything. Just, just put, put the one sentence email of the thing that you want, or the thing that you want to say right up at the top. But that, that's just regular communication between regular human beings. That's not this follow back, circle back, third right. time, are you sure well, you don't want to sh- take advantage of
1: it? They're essentially shaming or punishing you, back to what I said earlier, I think, yeah. which is you didn't do this the way I need you to do this. The way I need this to work is I get the names of 500 people, I buy this database or rent this database, and I send 500 identical emails to 500 people and I need those 500 people to respond to me today. Yeah, That's that's what it what it feels like. And that's, that is, that is not reasonable. And so I'm trying to assume that the people who are struggling with this are good people. Maybe. Because that's, well, but that's, that's, that's the only people we can help or the only people that we can advise are people who have something in their heart that makes them say, I want to be better at this. And you know what? I want to be more effective at this. You remember I don't I don't know if you uh, ever saw my old website 43 folders. Yeah. Here's my two tips for an email. Really this is it. This is it. A subject line where the pe- person could know what the email is about without reading the message. And then a message that is so short that it's mostly white space under a sentence or three. <laughs> that to me it like you can go any direction you want with email, but if you need a place to start. That is where to start. Spend more time on your subject line than you do on the body of the message. Because the body of the message, if you've really thought about it, you know that old line about "Sorry, this letter's so long. I didn't have time to write a short one." Like you do <laughs> the heavy lifting. Why don't you write something effective? And this actually does get to one of my like deeper down tips, which is again something from the world of project management. If you want somebody to respond to your email, first of all, accept that they probably they may not they just may not care. They may be too busy. It might have gone to the wrong folder. Their assistant missed it. Stuff happens in the world that you have no control over. Like, deal. That's just a fact of life. But if it is important to you, do everything I just said. Do the subject line. Do the short thing. And then, to the extent possible, this should be part of your unit test. Again, try to craft the shortest possible message you can that makes it very easy for that person to say yes and makes it equally easy for them to say no. Don't Bury the lead, dude. If you're asking that person for something specific, be specific about what you're being specific about. Don't bury something in the penultimate of forty paragraphs about how you should quote unquote get coffee one day. Well, okay, then what? What kind of email is that? Is that a saying hi email? Is that a like showing your status email? And it's what I used to call a email because it's just, like, ah, zibbizaba. Like, we're just, <laughs> we're just talking here. It's like, well, what do you want me to do about this? Now ask yourself if I got 10 of these this morning, how would my day be? My day would be crap because I'm sitting here like a, like a freaking gold miner trying to find out what nugget of whatever is in this. So, if you, that, I mean, this is just true for everything with communications. Communicate clearly what it is that you're asking for. And if it is a timetable thing you could say that. But here's how about this for another way. Hey look, I have a I I apologize this is a very late deadline. I would love to talk to you for 15 minutes this afternoon. Uh here's my number. Right? That that would be one way to do it. Instead of having to say, well, you know I've worked for Business Insider and BuzzFeed and it's like I don't care. Like <laughs> I don't I actually I really really don't care. I, if I were impressed by that, I wouldn't be the sort of person that you would want to interview. So, um so that that that's a that's a practical thing. The high level things for me is, and I I I admit that this is a somewhat non-traditional, because I'm not just giving you tips. I'm asking you to look at yourself. Look at yourself. Think about like being honest with yourself about what your motivations are and your methods. Yeah. Do you do you do you really understand like what that other person struggles with in life? Are you the solution for any kind of problem for them or are you just giving them more stuff to do? Try to see what you're doing the way that other people will see it, and then be prepared that. Even your timing could just be way off right now. And if you do one, two, three, four follow-up emails about that, you're going to take an annoyance and turn it into somebody kind of hating you. Somebody who's never met you by by bugging them about it. Should we get to the practical components? Yes. Um, I have an array of things I think it's useful to ask yourself that may not be germane, but ask yourself, like, do I... Temper what you say according to whether you actually know that person as in actually know that person. The kind of email that you would send to somebody that I would send to you, for example, um, or John Syracuse or my wife, it's very different than the kind of email that I would send even to somebody like whose radio show I like. It's very different. I may feel very familiar with that person, but they don't know who I am. And I, if this is the first time that I've ever contacted, the first time I contact them is, is to like ask for a favor. I got to really think about that. And I have to, I have to adjust my tone to, to not be a creep and not just be asking for a favor. Then that, that leads to the next big one, which is like, I mean, has the person that you're contacting, how do you know that they're interested in what it is that you're sending back to this ongoing thing? Like wh- how is what you're sending them going to make their life better? accounting for the built-in cost of them having to just read your freaking email. Like, is this something that they have overtly expressed an interest in? Did they say, uh, Hey, please contact me if you have an anecdote about this. And if they didn't like bear that in mind, doesn't mean don't send it, but it means, you know, (laughs) remember they, they probably get lots of email like that. Is this topic anywhere as important to the recipient as it is to me? Hmm. Um, and so let's get to the specifics, and I, and I would
0: say, they would say, if not, then how can I convince them that it should be?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I agree. But it's funny how blunt that instrument is. Like when you read that email, that is so similar to so many emails that we get. Um, I don't know if we, we can still say tone deaf, but whatever the less ableist version of tone deaf is, it seems utterly unplugged, tuned out um, from actually speaking to another person where it's almost, like, it's almost like you're sending yourself a little fan letter. When you begin with, even if you're doing it on behalf of some great new thought leader who has an ebook they want they to sell. Like if you open, like who, who would ever send an email to somebody that first begins with all of these accolades about who they are and why this person is important? Mm-hmm. That has never, ever, ever impressed me. If I met somebody at a party who did that, I would walk away. I would feign a stroke and I would crawl to another room. There's nothing more boring trying to convince a stranger that you are important by touting all your white ribbons like no one cares. If that works, well, maybe that works on somebody, it doesn't work on me. You guys should pair off and go make ugly kids together cuz that's horrible. You're bad people. But, you know, if you do have something to offer, like think about it from their point of view. Like if you're if you're a salesperson, if you are a professional persuader, well then think about how you how you get that person's attention in a way that really grabs them. You could do something like say like like I'm not, I'm not trying to teach you how to reach me, but you could say, hey, you know, I met Dan at South by Southwest, and uh, he mentioned that you really are into this particular thing. Like, here's a comment. Is it okay if I, uh, you know, email you about this or, tar- or you know or whatever? Can we talk about this? Um. So the unit test. Am I using that even halfway correctly? Yeah. To tell I think tell so. people tell people what a unit test is. Uh well, I
0: first did unit tests uh, in in Java back in the old days but it's a development process where you break everything down into the smallest possible things that you can test and then you go through and and test them independently often often automatically right yes there's ways to do this automatically so that you can you sort of write the tests and then it tests all of these separate little tiny things independently automatically
1: It's not so different from the way that I think about projects in getting things done. And this is just my, my, this is not David Allen. This is my version of this, I think. But when I think about creating a new project, what is a new project? A new project is a desirable outcome that has more than one action step to it. Water the plants is not a project. That's a, what I would call an infrastructure task. It's just an ongoing series of things that I have to do. I get a reminder every four days to water the plants because my life is very exciting. When I create a new project, I say, wow, there's, there's more than one thing to do for this. And it entails lots of things, or several things at least. It entails that, that this will not be complete with one action. It will probably require subsequent actions that may fork at one point or another. The thing that makes a project a project, though, is it's worth doing. If a project is, is worth doing, it's worth making into a project. And then how do you articulate what that project is? You articulate that project by envisioning what will change in the universe as a result of that project being completed. Phrased slightly differently, I will know this project, let's not even say successful, I'll know this project is done when the following happens and use that in how you identify what the project is. So, you know, I would not have a project called car. <laughs> I would have I would have a pro, I would have a project called uh complete emissions test right. or something like that. Right. And is that one step? No, it's actually not. I got to find out which emissions places are close. I got to find out what the schedule is. I got to do that. That that to me is a project. So, I'm trying to use that same kind of kind of working man simple logic with emails. This email will have done what it needs to do if the following happens. And, you know, it helps to have a contingency plan and say, like, well, if it doesn't work, what am I going to do? You know, like That's part of the problem we're dealing with here. But I think if you want to get better at email, the first thing is to write better emails before you demand everybody send better emails, try to write better emails and or or texts or slacks or whatever that is. But I think it helps to be very, very specific and succinct about explaining what it is you're asking this person to do or what it is you want to do for them or however you want to do it. And I, I'm just not to beat up here. I do not think the path to success is to have this HTML formatted three-page email that includes a bunch of bullet points and quotes about your book. That, I, I don't know why you think I would want that. I don't think you actually think I want that because I don't think you know who I am. Right. And so it shouldn't be frustrating to you if you're basically just sending all these paper airplanes off the side of a cliff and then get mad that nobody's flying back on them. That's, that's ludicrous. So... The unit test, I mean, that's probably the wrong term for that. But whatever it is, when you're sending that, ask yourself, why am I sending this to this person? Why am I, me? Why is this person, me, communicating with that person? And what do we need to do? What is the purpose of this? And what is, how will this be complete? That, that goes for any email you send. But I think it goes at least probably double true if you're, if you're talking to a stranger. And that's going to vary. It depends on what you're trying to do. If you're inviting somebody to a surprise party, that's a different kind of thing from asking for a job or trying to get a scholarship or trying to get an introduction somewhere. There, there's kinds of things you can ask people that have all, all kinds of layers to it. But if, you're, if you are going to do email, bear in mind that this is a pivot to the next big thing, but I think bear in mind that just because it's convenient for you to send it's the most convenient way you know of to get to that person. I have this person's email address. I will email them. Just because that is a convenient way for you to contact them does not mean it's an effective way to persuade them. And, and continuing to beat on that particular nail when it doesn't go into the wood does not make it a better solution. Do you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When your only tool is an email list, every problem looks like somebody who's screaming. <laughs> well,
0: all right, so... How how, it all I mean, I don't feel like you're chastising the people who are doing this for a living, but I think they should. It, are you suggesting that people just stop this line of work completely? Are you suggesting that people just don't don't spam anymore? I mean, have I'm, not, you ever, I'm not really
1: I'm not really suggesting that because you think about about Jean somebody like Jean Gray McDonald who yeah. we used to work with, yeah. and she was impossibly effective at her job. Because why? Because that's fine for Jean. Because she knew people like us who genuinely liked the company that she worked for and genuinely liked the products that they were making. It was not a difficult sell to say, hey, look, we've sponsored your show and you've used our product and publicly crowed about it for years. Mm-hmm. Would you mind tweeting out this link to App Camp for Girls? My God, of course. Because sure. <laughs> like we're we have a relationship and people who are doing a great job in public relations in particular the people the humans the the like the the biped humans who are doing this are are largely spending i guess i hope are spending a lot of their time making good use of the relationships that they have with people in a way that's not ugly and creepy and so in all this that i'm saying part of this is like i'm not yelling at robots because robots don't respond to yelling my frustration is when these automated systems are trying to make it look, we talked about this a lot last week, when these automated systems are trying to look like this is a bespoke message from a person who loves what you do, right. that starts having an effect on how you look at your email because it's everybody, everybody starts to seem like a host. You're like, well, wait, are you a real person? Like, Is this really going to harm your career if I don't respond to this? Or is this just going to be another particular uh, cell in, in a MySQL database? It's hard to know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking people to stop doing that. I guess what I'm really trying to get at here, we don't have any way to change those things. I mean, it's the whole serenity prayer thing. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, if you are a nice person or just a person out there and you're feeling frustrated about being in this situation where people are not responding to you, there are ways to improve that. And one of those ways, this is a real you know Kobayashi Maru approach, but is sending lots of email, I put it differently, is email... And repeated email, really the best and only way you have to get what it is that you want. I'm phrasing that very particularly because you frame this as well, the easiest and cheapest way I know of to get at somebody is to find their email and then just pepper the shit out of them. And it's like, ah, that's okay. Well, I can see a point of view on that. Let's say it's the scholarship. Well, have you done your due diligence about that scholarship? Have you gone and looked at the names of people? that are involved in that. Have you, I mean, I haven't done this in years, so I don't know, but whatever it is that you really want, have you done the work? Have you really done the work to go and figure out what it is that they're looking for? So you know what kind of essay to write. So you know what kind of people, is there anybody who knows those people? Is there another way in besides sending tons and tons of email that that person just going to archive or delete? That's why I say Kobayashi Maru. I mean, sometimes the only way to win is to cheat and by cheat, I don't mean go call that person on their home phone I mean, craft something that's so brilliant. How about you send them a FedEx package? Like, or send them a UPS package, like with your proposal in it and a gift or something like that. I don't know, but be creative about it. I think, I guess what I'm kind of trying to get at the two points I'm struggling with are, first of all, I want to assume that you're somebody who's doing something you really think is important and you're merely frustrated by a system that doesn't always work. I want to be as kind as I can about assuming that's where somebody's coming from. But I also want you to be prepared to accept the fact that maybe this isn't the right system for getting what you want. And that just because you have a hammer doesn't mean everything wants to be a nail. Mm. And like I said, hitting that nail harder and more repeatedly and in the middle of the night is not going to change the fact that that's the wrong way to build this particular house. And so, and I think sometimes when people get in that route, they end up getting getting kind of creepy. And, and then they get kind of emotional and it goes on and on and on. So kinds of things to think about. Think about, are there other routes in for this? Have you done the due diligence to know if this is even the right person? Now, if, let's go back to the PR example. There are, I have to imagine that there are people, for example, I used to be a clerk at a newspaper in Sarasota, and my job was to go through press releases. My job was to go through, to get the funeral information, to get the movie listings. I did all this scut work. So I needed all those resources. I would have to actually call up, this is so funny, this is like 1989, I'd have to call <laughs> up the movie theaters and write down when the movie times were. That's how I did that. Really? have to go through the bits. have to go through and basically like kind of pre-process all the press releases. Are these the kinds of things? So yeah, I, I needed those things. Now, would I want that person coming to my house or 10 of those people coming to my house and banging on the door because this particular ice cream parlor just got remodeled? No, that's not my job. Like that's not where this goes. So, you know, I guess one way to do it, and this is again, part of our frustration is we never asked you and me, we never asked to receive all of this stuff. The fact the fact that we're getting this junk from people who are pretending to be real people is frustrating. And then it's it's doubly frustrating that it is it's it's not even a question that we can answer. How many times can we rate back and say we don't have guests on this show? Well, you know what? That's dumb because now we're yelling at robots title. That's that's there's no point to that. So, you know, like I say, one thing would be to do your diligence. Do your due diligence. Make sure you really understand the shape of the problem that you're kind of trying to solve and then be prepared to reframe it. Is there another way? And and you notice I said, get what I want out of this or get what I need out of this. Is getting what you need out of this an email response today? Because that sounds like an implementation detail. Have you thought about picking up the phone and calling the front desk at that place? If it's that important, maybe that's one way to do it. Maybe, you know what, maybe you're emailing the wrong person Mm. and you're not listening to their responses or not getting it because they're they're just blowing you off. You just, you just got banned, right? You got hell banned because you keep bugging the wrong person because you never took the time to find out if it's going to the right place. So that second point I think really comes down to like, if this is important and you do really care, then be smart and, and don't feel like you have to only use this one means in the way that's convenient for you in order to get something that may be utterly unrelated to email. Did you try Googling it? Did you try going to the library? Did you try any of these other ways? And if you are asking somebody to do something, now you're, you're, you're asking, so that's a as they say, a big ask. Problematic. <laughs> if you're going to do that thing where you ask a stranger a favor in the Alps, well, <laughs> then you're going to have to be really smart and clever and actually funny, maybe, about how you ask for it. But then you also have to be classy about going, I didn't hear back. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to send this person email to say, did you get my email? Right. How, Maybe, and let me ask you think that. Think how, real hard before you ever send another email that says, did you get my email? How often do you
0: get an email and then respond when somebody says, did you get it? Like, does that really change things? Does that really prompt you to want to
1: do something different? <laughs> um, I almost always ignore it. Yeah. In, in an extreme number of times in the past, I've said, yeah, I did get your email. And, and then sometimes in a low moment, when I'm feeling vulnerable, I will write back to them and say, I didn't get this email either. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't get that email. I didn't get this one either. Because I'm being mean. Yeah. Yeah, I got your email. I get lots of email. Like if I did nothing but the stuff that I've got to do, that would be plenty of stuff. It's, you know, it's, that's another way also to look at this is also channels, thinking about like the various ways you can get at people. And I got to say, this is one way that Twitter has been a godsend. I'm so grateful for people who will say something really, especially people who say something nice. I mean, it's not always something nice, but frequently people will just pop in and say like, hey, I like that thing you do. We got a, we got a tweet this week. I think that was you and me. We got a tweet this week from a guy who said, hey, I really like your show, that's all. And I was like, that's the best tweet of the month. Yeah. Like, because, that boy, they made that so easy for me, you know, uh, and I realized just I'm being selfish here, but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a tricky, dependable way to hack this system that that is not going to mean a little bit more work and maturity from the person sending the email. Because, I, what I'm trying to say at length is that I think you really need to frame what it is. If you're, this is your job to do this thing, there's a reason you're getting the big bucks. And that's because you need to figure out how to do this in a way that is effective. If you're doing it in a way that is not effective and you're not happy with the results, I'm not sure who you get mad at about that. I don't know where you file that particular bug because you're the one that's not changing anything. Mm. Is that mean? No. It's a little mean. No. Um, we could probably have some odds and saws after this. Did you tell me, did you have one more thing to tell me about that you like? Yeah, I can tell you about Blue Apron. Blue Apron!
0: The food is the highest quality stuff. They've partnered with over 150, like, local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the U.S. So the seafood that they have is sustainable. The beef, chicken, and pork is, like, responsibly raised. They use regenerative farming practices Mm. for produce. And uh, and they ship the exact amount of each ingredients that you need for the recipe. So there's nothing to waste. If I said, oh, you know, let's go make such and such for dinner, you'd say, yeah, let, let's go do that. And you know what? You'd buy not enough of one thing and I'd buy too much of the other
1: thing. And we'd Dan, have- Dan, Dan, t- 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 turmeric. Yes. Turmeric. Yeah, I got more of that stuff than I can ever use. That's a lot of I needed of it one right time. Down. I needed a pinch. I needed a pinch. And they said, I got a bottle and now I got a bunch of turmeric. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know if you should just push it- should, should I donate it, Dan?
0: Put in your smoothie. Mm. But see, with blue apron, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And I I did this. I tried it out. I had I said, okay, you know, let, let's do it. They sent me this stuff. I said, first of all, I don't know how to cook any of this. But they send you these these nice, colorful their sheets with photos uh, that explain everything that show you exactly how to do it and what you need to do, and, and it's amazing. And the food that you make actually turns out looking exactly like the pictures. Not a little bit like it really does look like that. You know, it's it's crazy. Some I've tried other ones where they send it out to you and like it looks like some chef spent the whole day preparing this one plate and plating it perfectly. Blue apron shows you this is what it's gonna look like and when it's done, that's what it looks like. And and it looks something like a, a restaurant would make. It's amazing and it tastes great and it's less than ten bucks a meal. Delivered right to your door, only exactly what you need, variety, flexibility, and it's easy to do. So go check out uh, this week's menu. And get your first three meals for free with shipping by going to blueapron.com slash back to work. You're going to love this. And it, it's a great way to uh, to support the show and get your first three meals free. Three with free meals. Shipping. Three meals, free meals, free shipping. Blue Apron. They're going to have run with that. So it's <sighs> blueapron.com slash back to work to get that. Thanks very much, Blue Apron, for supporting Merlin Mann's show. Back to work. Bok bok.
1: I like me some food.
0: I don't even I like, like to cook, food. and it, you can cook. It's it's I not it was cooking. not a problem.
1: So sick of thinking about food. So <laughs> sick of it. Ugh. Oh. Um, error enabling extension. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I got the uh, beta four on here. I hope this fixes my phone. Ugh. I can't get the call blocking to work. Um. So I don't think i don't know i don't know how well i with all my preparation i don't know how, how well i address this here's what i will say um if if feel free to email us at the through the website if there are things you feel are unanswered if you have situations that you're struggling with trying to reach people um you know send that to us and, and we'll uh, we could talk about it on the show Because, you know, I I would like to help people with this. I I, I don't know a better piece of advice, though, than probably than being circumspect about really looking at the effectiveness of what you're doing. You know, you're the stuff that you're sending people is just getting lost amid all of this noise that's out there. And it's, you know, it's it's like, you know, you're if you you could get the, the best art with the best messaging on the best billboard Mm -hmm. in the world. But like, if you stick it in the woods, nobody's going to see it. Mm -hmm. Like if you stick it behind where there's already another billboard, nobody's going to see it. It's like, okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean you need to get a better copy? No, you need to get better placement or you need to find a less crowded place to be. You need different exposure. You need to, you need to rethink the shape of that problem. That's how you find a solution to stuff like this. I I realize I'm sounding a little mean and I don't mean to, but I really, I can never get away from the feeling that there is a pervasive sense that whatever is my favorite way to contact you is the way you need to deal with me now. And I've seen it in offices and teams. And I feel like when you see that from a stranger, it really sticks out like a sore thumb. Because you really, you see this person kind of like you know, strip bare of all the pretenses and you're like, wow, you're just, you're just really like kind of a selfish small person. And, and it's, now that's my problem. Like that's, it's so odd. But if there are other cases to this, again, things like the scholarship or the job, um, you know, uh, write, write us an email on the site. Yeah. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Hmm. Did you want to talk about uh, your journal? I would love to talk about that. If if that's, you think that'd
0: be interesting to people?
1: Yeah, we were, um, I was threatening for a while it's kind of a joke and kind of not is that I uh, that I've been returning to using a notebook for lots of brainstormy stuff and I was kind of in a jokey way threatening to explain how I use a notebook which is that I write in it but when I mentioned that to you you said that you are I believe you said that you're doing more stuff with journaling and I would love to hear about that
0: I have I have always thought of journaling as one of those things that it seems very I don't I don't this is gonna. No matter how I say it, it's gonna sound wrong. But I always imagine journaling was something that was almost akin to sort of keeping it, keeping a diary of some kind, like,
1: like an emo, an emo twelve-year-old girl.
0: Yeah, very, very emo twelve-year-old. You know, and like a little diary has a little lock or something. But you know, then I I learned a, there's a lot of the stuff that they do with like CBT and stuff where they talk about journaling and and somehow writing something down there it's a it's it's bizarre to me because as much as i've always been a i mean like i have the english degree the writing degree and and have written i've never kept any kind of journal i've never kept any kind of thing where i just write stuff down other than maybe to-do lists or something like that i never write down like 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 really practical stuff exactly and so he, here's something that I was reading about that they talk about a lot of the time. If you find that, um, at you know, the, I think at the end of the day, especially when when we're busy, I think it's even perhaps worse for people who don't have the kind of job where at the end of the day they can they can leave and they're done for the day, and then they don't think about it again until they get to work the next morning. I've I have had that kind of job, but it's been a very very long time ago, so it's very easy for me to get kind of caught up or hung up on the things that I'm working on or the things that I didn't finish. And uh, and I know Ajahn Jeff would often talk about things never being done, things never being finished. He would say something like, you know, when you sit down to meditate, you know, you're going to be uh, other things will be on your mind. You'll say, "Well, I, I really, just, I just want to like think this thing through, or I want to finish thinking about this, that, and the other thing." Or he, he used to also, because he was, you know, Buddhism is, is, I think it's generally a, uh, an optimistic religion, but it, it also seems very pessimistic because they talk about death a lot. And he would mm-hmm. say, you know, don't worry about finishing everything in your life when you die. Nothing's ever done. Nothing is ever finished. And it's true when you think about that. Nothing is really ever done. But it's sometimes, for me anyway, it's hard to sort of let go of those things that I just want to kind of work out or think through in my head or process, even when there's nothing that I can do about it. So let's say I'm screwing around with some kind of varnish config uh, for a server and I can't you know, can't get it to do exactly what I want it to do. Uh, I don't need to be thinking about that when I'm going to bed at 1130. You know, that's that's not the right time or the right place to be thinking about something like that? Uh, or what if I come up with an idea for something that I want to do or there's something that I want to remember or there's something that I, I read and I want to remember it? You know, there are somehow, and I'm leading up to the journaling thing with this, somehow writing that stuff down is almost like you know that it's written down. It, it avails your brain and your mind and your, your psyche from having to carry it it makes it so that you don't have to hold on to that thought or that process as much anymore and there's something very tangible when you write it down i'm not talking and and for me there's a huge i don't know why but there's a huge difference between writing it down and uh i and and typing it onto my phone or sending myself an email or putting it in a to-do list. And I don't know why that is, but I off- I discounted that for, for a very, very, very long time. I said, no, there's no difference. Putting it here is fine. But when I actually started doing it, writing it down, it, it, it is very different. Maybe it's because I write much slower than I type, even on the phone, or I don't know why. Maybe it's because now there's this real tangible thing in the world. I mean, for a guy like me who has made things on a computer and none of them really truly exist, you know? Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Creating something that really exists and, and, and you can touch it and see it and it's in the world makes it more real somehow. I don't know, but where this kind of leads. So that's something I, I make a habit of doing, but I uh, also in the way that they do the things with, with like CBT, you have these CBT journals where you, you kind of, you write something down, whether it's something that's, on your mind or a problem you're working through or a kind of stress or fear or whatever it is you write it down and it's interesting how writing something down you would think would make it in a way make it more real like i don't i don't i don't i can't think of it. i um let's say that you're a, a um very um, disorganized person. You don't want to mm-hmm. write down, "I am a disorganized person," or "I hate the chaos that I create on my desk at work," or whatever it is. You don't want to write that down because, like, then it's kind of like admitting that you do it, or it makes it more real. But somehow, writing that down allows you to sort of actualize it and and kind of turn that. I don't know a whole lot about why this works or how it w- or what mechanism it uses, but it's it's very very true in that. If you write something like that down, like, and I'm using that as a silly example, when people I'm sure have much more serious things to worry about, but I'm I'm afraid that I will never be able to keep a clean desk. Now you might write this down, and, and it's something else that's in in your own life, like you know a, a real problem that you might have, maybe a health problem or a problem in, in in work or a personal life or something. You could write that down, but you write down I'm I'm wouldn't that be terrible? It will be terrible. It would be the worst thing. I'll never be able to keep a desk clean. I'll never be able to. It is beyond my capability and I'm a terrible I'm a terrible person. I'm the worst person in the whole world. Writing this down seems like a silly activity, but writing it down, it's like it takes it off of your mind. It unloads it in a way. And then the second part of the CBT thing is to sort of respond by writing a response to yourself, um, and, and which is what you would say if a friend of yours had just said that statement to you. So if your friend said, uh, I'm incapable of cleaning a desk, I just can't keep a clean desk, you'd say, actually, that's not true. I know you're going to be able to do it, and here's how you can start doing it. And it's a sort of kind of question-response thing. I had never really done any of this before, and I've started to do it, and it's, it's incredibly effective. It's amazing how effective that kind of thing is you just google CBT and and you'll learn much more about it than I've tried to explain but one of the ways and that so what that led me to do was to kind of just start not not journaling in the truest sense which i imagine is full of clever anecdotes and um and an outpouring of of deep emotion as a 12 year old emo person would do but uh, just kind of chronicling the things that happened in a day, things that were significant, things that were important, something that you want to remember, something you might want to reflect back on. And uh, it, this this unloading, as I think of it, is tremendously valuable in any of those three ways that I've described. And, you know, it's funny. I write just as well in a 98-cent uh, notebook uh, that I got at HEB as I do from (laughs) one of the really, really expensive uh, leather bound ones that I get on the uh, Japanese uh, stores. So, you know, this, this can be a very inexpensive. Now the pen, the pen makes a big difference, but the notebook itself, I think you can get started and just, just start trying to write this stuff down and it's not really like just free form and journal and brains it's more like no these are the things that happened today that i want to remember and uh and and maybe there's some significance there and these are the things that are stressing me out and here's the things that tomorrow morning when i get to work i want to open this book up and i want to see this is where i left off last night and i'm going to write it down at the end of the day so i don't have to think about it anymore and that's especially useful for people like us who have their own thing that they're doing you know
1: I, I, I think this is terrific. And it, I, I very much agree with you on where you're, it feels like you're struggling to say like, well, why, why do I do this? And like, what is it for? And <clears throat> does it actually work at cross purposes with what I'm trying to do? Because on the face of it, it could, like, it could look like bad self-talk. Like It sounds like you're beating yourself up. But in fact, in in my doing having done similar things, I'm looking at the page here for acceptance and commitment therapy on Wikipedia, which is an aspect of mindfulness uh, that's worth reading about. But it kind of it's a little bit related to that. If I had to come up with one dumb analogy for it, though, journaling in the way you're describing it is a 3D printer for your thoughts. Mm. Where like when something's just bouncing around in your head and it can bounce real hard in your head, there something in the same way that it can be very unburdening to yeah. talk to somebody about it, there is there's something that can be strangely, strangely what? Strangely useful, strangely moving, strangely scary, strangely useful about putting it on a page and looking at it. That's why I say it's like a 3D printer. Because, you know, you could make up stuff in whatever, I don't know, AutoCAD, like whatever you use to make 3D models. You could make something that doesn't exist and then print it out and see if it makes any sense and look at it. Yeah. And that's I think that's, I don't know if you'd agree, but I think that's kind of what you're talking about, which is I have these inchoate, rambling, but repetitive things that are here, and I need a place to put that. And then once I put it there, I can kind of look at it in context. And this is not the same thing as making a list of 50 things that are terrible about you, but like it's, and you have to do it at your own speed, I guess. But I think that's part of being okay with the kind uh, every kind of thought that's banging around is that ability to sort of look at it right. and go into the, the corniest thing I'll ever say. That's actually a very meaningful thing to me to remember that I'm the sky, not the weather. That's, I think that's a very useful way to do it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. How long have you been doing? How long have you been doing this? The last couple of few weeks. And is it something you just sort of learned about on your own? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just what researching.
1: What do you, um, what are you, um if somebody wanted to try this, what would you recommend? Uh,
0: As far as like what, what to read or how to start? Starting things is hard for people.
1: Starting things is is, intimidating. And I'm I'm not saying what pen and notebook do you use, but in terms of like deciding if this is right for the listener, what would they think about? And then how would they begin? Wow. I think the best, the way
0: that I found it to be the most useful is to, is that, that, it's in the evening and you're thinking about those things, especially if it's interfering with your ability to wind down, relax, enjoy yourself, think about something else. If you're thinking about work at night and there's problems that you want to solve, whether they're programming or something you want to write or something that you need to remember to do, that's an, it's incredibly useful for me. It's usually after the kids are in bed that I'll sit down uh, you know, with my blue blocker uh, goggles on. <laughs> and uh, I'll just open the notebook and I'll start writing down, you know, these are the things that that I'm thinking about right now. And these, even if it goes into little details of like, okay, I need to, you know, I need to remember to update such and such IP address and what it like, even little specific things like that. Because once I know they're written down, it's like, I don't need to carry them around anymore. And it, it could even be something like, you know, remember to pick up uh, you know some broccoli at the grocery store like write that down don't but don't do it in such a way that it looks like lists and that's the key writing down lists hmm. is okay oh, that, that's
1: super that's super interesting
0: yeah for me it was more so effective. it needs to be
1: like like pros
0: yes if i write it down in the pros it, it works different it's the weirdest thing i don't even like writing that kind of stuff right but it works everyone's gonna have to find out what's right for them that's the thing
1: I, 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 this is more similar to how I think about this than I realized or thought. Um, I mean, one thing with intrusive thoughts or I don't know what the exact right word is, but whack-a-mole was the wrong word for it. Because whack-a-mole, the, 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 when we talk about whack-a-mole, we're talking about like you hit this one and another one pops up somewhere else. I mean something slightly different, which is that as, um, <clears throat> as Apollo Robbins and many other important scientists have shown, mm-hmm. we can really only pay attention to one thing at a time. Really. I mean, you know, multitasking is a myth. Uh, what does happen, though, is you can only really, really think about one thing at a time. And sometimes if you're not, for lack of a better word, mindful about it, um, A, you will find yourself thinking about something you did not expect to be thinking about. And if you're feeling especially flustered, you may find yourself going through a rapid succession of many similar or related thoughts that end up becoming kind of an anxious loop. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't, I don't think that's just Howard Hughes. I think that's, no, that's all of us. It is. Is you go down this one pathway and suddenly the world is ending or maybe you just, whatever, whatever your version of that dark night of the soul is, you kind of go around and around and around. And that, you know, by itself that has negative consequences. Um, that, that's not a good place to be. But the surprising or unexpected way that's really not the place to be is that whenever you're thinking all of those kinds of particular thoughts really quickly in rapid succession mm-hmm. you know you're you're feeding the monster' you're, it's a negative it's a positive feedback loop of negativity in a lot of ways, but what it's also doing is crowding out any other thoughts that could be there because you're like you're like um You know, you're like, uh, you know, I love Lucy with the chocolates going by really fast and you're not doing anything particularly well. You're just trying to get chocolates off the conveyor belt as quickly as possible without ever stopping and going, hey, is this really what I want to be doing? Should I should these thoughts be something different? Should I be thinking about them a little more slowly? Like, how long have I been in this loop and not realized it? And so maybe I don't know if it's exactly the same thing, but that's why I, I find it very useful to write slowly in a notebook slower than I normally would to make a point of writing neatly. Yes. No, it's not that, no, it's that's not for a, everybody. No, that's a very good point. Well, the thing is, if I write fast and I scribble, all I'm really doing is emulating the the chaotic mess of my brain. If I force myself to write neatly, mm-hmm. um it sounds really weird, but it's 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 on the same level of you won't believe how different this is. Like if you do a mind map on your computer versus if you do an official according to Hoyle Tony Buzan mind map with colored pencils on paper and do all of, follow his rules, you will not believe how different the process is. And I think the same same thing is similar here. If I'm scribbling on an index card, just going blah, that's one kind of thing that can be useful. I do that. I go blah. But if I'm writing slowly in a notebook, something different happens. And I I, don't, I can't describe it because it has it has something maybe this is similar to what happens with you where I find myself experiencing those thoughts in a different way yeah and being more open to the other kinds of thoughts that come up along the way and there's a place for all of those to go which is here on the page so I mean on the one hand just in terms of the purely therapeutic it it doesn't hurt to have a 3D printer for your mind to take the stuff that was just banging around and put it somewhere. But also in a totally practical way, what you described, if I say to myself, okay, back to lists, if it's time for me to make a list of what's on my mind right now, uh, a great thing happens, which is, first of all, I realize how many things were on my mind that I didn't know were on my mind. And I could just, again, for me, this is all just really not stressful, dumb stuff I've got to do. Like calls I got to do, errands I have to run, chores I have to do. I get them all on a page. That can be really satisfying. The next satisfying part, though, is that that gives my mind permission to unclench a little bit and other ideas come out. And that could be more tasks. It could be more mundane things. But it also could be ideas that have been crowded out by all that noise. And those get to be on there, too. And then, you know, then I guess just as a happy bonus, uh, now I also have a to-do list. Like I have a list of things where I can have some level of temporary ease that there is a place where all that stuff went. If there's more stuff that needs to go there, that's where it goes. Whether that's a thought, whether it's a feeling, whether it's an observation, or whether that's change the cat box. that It all is okay. Look, like, like I've said before, there's nothing that doesn't go in here. And that won't work for everybody, but I think that is a good place to get to, is where anything could go in here. Whether that's like a sticker from a package of meat, or like a realization about your place in the universe, there's no reason that that, that can't all go on these same pages. So good. Hmm.
0: hmm.
1: We talked about a lot today. Yeah. Did you have more on your uh, journaling to talk no, about? No, that's it.
0: Just go get a you know get a little notebook and start writing in it. And write slow and write neat. I love that. It's so important. Yeah.
1: That it sounds weird, but it works. It, it's stupid. It's stupid.
0: It's like it's like if you told me, oh, well, you know what? If I if I press on this part of your left shoulder. It'll make you run really fast. Like no, yeah, no
1: It sounds that it, it just, sounds that banana. Yeah, but it, re- it really works. Yeah, and it's I don't know how to describe it because like there are probably people who write in longhand a lot more than I do. But <clears throat> when I write in longhand, it's really it's pretty scribbly. But um, I don't think this is heavily dependent on the pen and notebook you use. You should get what works for you. But all I can say is that you may if you if you do this experiment. Here is the experiment: start writing and go write a little slower. Than you think you should, mm-hmm. and a lot more carefully than you need to. Yeah, and stick with it for a few minutes, and you may notice a subtle shift in what's happening. In my case, like I, I may feel like a certain kind of like surprising calmness mm-hmm. in some ways. But like when I'm writing as fast as my brain can think, it's not necessarily pulling out the best of whatever, whether that's emotions or thoughts or whatever. When I'm doing it at that speed. I can almost, it sounds so dorky, but it's like I can almost see those little thoughts going by on their way to the printer. And I have a way to, I hate that I almost never use this fur, but I am experiencing those things as they are happening in a way that's not when I'm just trying to chase whatever rabbit or monkey is like running through my mind.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I think this is good.
1: This is good. It's good? What is good? Conan. Conan is good. <laughs> How you feeling? You feeling uh, same, worse, better? Where are yeah, you standing right now?
0: About a little mm-hmm. better.
1: This is, this is good that we do this. Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, you know, wrap a hot towel around your head. Yep. Make yourself some soup. All right. Get a nap. Okay. Okay, let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man.